With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Good boys and girls, two footed podcast on Wednesday, the 3rd of August, brought to you by EPLindex.com and our presenting sponsor, Liberty Shield. Liberty Shield is a VPN provider. A virtual privacy network allows you to go online, change your location, access things you're geoblocked from while also keeping your data safe. UK expats wanting access to BBC iPlayer, ITV Hub, etc. A Liberty Shield VPN is what you need to get you watching your channel of choice, and keep your data safe. Check out libertyshield.com and use the code EPL25. That's EPL25 to get 25% off at checkout. We're also brought to you by Home of Hopcroft, a giftware and homework company located in Scotland, but shipping worldwide. Check out homeofhopcroft.co.uk. And finally, do check out the EPL Index and Anfield Index shops, which you can find on Etsy. Use the codes EPL10 or RED10 to get 10% off. If you are a fan of the Lionesses who claimed the Women's European Championships at the weekend, there is some Lionesses merch there to be had. Right, folks, where to start? We'll finish what we were doing yesterday. We'll go through the remaining Premier League teams and where they stand right now. And then we'll have a look at the rest of the news, which features Cristiano Ronaldo, features Dean Henderson, and whatever else I can find to laugh at Manchester United, we'll horse it in there as well. Right, finished yesterday with Leicester, let's start with Liverpool. Still short one in midfield, but everything else does look pretty good. Now, they do have a lot of injuries at the moment. But most of them seem to be short-term niggles more than anything that's important. You've got Jota, who'll be out till probably early September. You've got Oxlade-Chamberlain, who'll be out for likely three months at a minimum. Uh, You've got Cuevin Kelleher, who's a couple of weeks away. But everybody else, bar Curtis Jones, should be back for the weekend. Curtis Jones, nobody's really sure what the situation is. He walked into Anfield on Sunday with no crutches, no noticeable damage, didn't play in the game, but walked out with a protective moon boot and crutches. So is there some sort of injury there that's not being reported? 
that remains to be seen. But it's a little bit concerning, especially with Chamberlain out, where they're already short in midfield. They got their striker. They got their backup right back. They got their backup attacker. They're in really good nick. They're one player away. If they could land that midfielder between now and the end of the transfer window, I think you'd have to make them favourites for the league title. But as things stand, when they're playing with a net negative in one of their midfield spots, I just don't think you can do that. Moving on to Manchester City, who would be the title favourites right now. They got Haaland. They got Julian Alvarez, obviously, in January. Brought him over in the summer. Got Calvin Phillips. They've missed out on Mark Cucurella. It looks like he will go to Chelsea. City unwilling to go above 40 million, which, look, I can't really blame them. You know, 40 million would be a fair price. But Mark Cucurella is really good. And Brighton own the player on a long-term contract, Aaron, and are entitled to set whatever price they say fit. Now, Chelsea are willing to pay that money, largely because Chelsea are scrambling around and throwing money around the place, hoping to land on something impressive. City have other options. They've been linked with Josco Gvardiol, not necessarily one that makes a whole bunch of sense for them this summer, but he is an outstanding player. As I've said before, I think if he was available, I think he'd be a Spurs player by now. So I don't think he'll be making a move to Manchester City. But money talks, and maybe City will throw silly money after him. They still need to get a full-back in. I would have said they needed a right-back before the summer. Now with Zinchenko going, left-back is obviously the more pressing need. They could ideally do with both. And maybe Pep would like to bring in both. But for now, I'd expect that they'll just bring in a backup left back or potentially even a starting left back who will allow Canseo to switch across to the right hand side Manchester United what a bizarre summer they needed a starting right back they did not get one they have needed a starting centre back they bought Lisandro Martinez but I have doubts over his ability to play in a four man defence as a central defender in a Premier League season. Um, They need a starting defensive midfielder. They have not signed one. They need a starting central midfielder. They have chased around after Frankie de Jong for most of the summer, and they are no closer to signing him. Now, there are certain YouTube channels who, you know, Look, they do this for a living. They talk absolute bobbins, make stuff up on the fly and try and get you to watch their channel so they can get ad revenue. They'll tell you that Frankie wants the move. No, no, he wants the move. And the fee is agreed. He wants the move. If Frankie de Jong wanted to play for Manchester United, Frankie de Jong would be at Manchester United. That's just the be-all and end-all of it. Because whatever money he might be owed by Barcelona he would more than make up at United. United would more than be able to pay him in a signing bonus, whatever amount of money is required. And they would be willing to do so to get the player. The player's not willing to make the move. That's why he's still at Barcelona. However, he might not be there much longer because 
David Ornstein is reporting that Chelsea have interest. And I do think Frankie would make the move to Chelsea because they're in Champions League, which United are not. Uh, United need a backup goalkeeper. That hasn't been done yet either. They have signed Tyrell Malashia, a young left-back who is likely to be the backup left-back. It does look like Alex Tellez is on his way out the door to join Sevilla. So Malashia replaces him, and United will hope he becomes first choice ahead of Luke Shaw in time. Uh, they also signed Christian Eriksen. Don't really know why. Is he, is he starting? It seems unlikely. So he's a backup. A backup to who? Well, Bruno Fernandes would be the most likely one. You already have Donny van de Beek. I know the different types of players, but you can only play one of them at a time. So I'm not really sure what the purpose of that was, other than maybe United trying to show they still have a bit of clout. But congratulations, the only other club that was in for him was Brentford. So do you have clout? Or are you just a little bit bigger than Brentford? Um, it has not been a good summer for Manchester United. Uh, Cristiano obviously went on strike for a substantial period of the of the offseason. Um, he left the game early on Sunday, having played really poorly in the first half. Been taken off. He left the stadium early. Uh, Eric Ten Hag today has criticised the players. He says it is unacceptable that several players, including Cristiano, left Sunday's game early. Ronaldo, in his first pre-season game, had been replaced at half-time. He was pictured leaving with Diogo Delof, who had sat in the director's box of several players, all of whom left 10 minutes before the end. We're a team, and that means you stay until the end. This is unacceptable for all those who are involved. But notice he does not name Cristiano Ronaldo because he's scared. Cristiano has all the power, even though he has no leverage. He has all the power, but no leverage. He's the highest paid player. He's the most recognizable player, the highest profile player. He's Fergie's boy. The fans, Cristiano left United, spent 12 years away from the club, much longer than he was at United, double the length of time he was at United. Uh, he's more recognisable as a Real Madrid player than a Manchester United player. A United fans spent that entire 12 years twerking for him and will accept that he can... Can't like won't accept any criticism of him, won't accept that he can do any wrong, won't accept that he made their team worse. He actively made the team worse. Actively. He did the same thing at Juventus, but they won't hear of it. So Ten Hag can't really pick this battle because the club haven't been strong enough. They just haven't been strong enough. And all summer, his agent has been flitting around Europe offering them to other clubs, openly, openly offering them to other clubs. Everybody has said no. The only club that showed real interest was Chelsea, but Thomas Tuchel shut that down as soon as he could. Nobody wants him. United are stuck with him. United don't really want him other than the commercial side of things. Ten Hag definitely doesn't want him. And uh, he doesn't want to be there. So, yeah, it is a fairly disastrous situation 
for Manchester United right now. Uh, might want to get used to the Conference League because this could be season one of a few at that level. Uh, Newcastle United then. Nick Pope in. Matt Target in. Sven Botman in. Still need another centre-back. Still need a holding midfielder. Still need a winger. They've been linked with James Madison. They've made two bids for James Madison. Craig Hope, who's probably the best for Newcastle News, says the offers are a bit of a waste of time. The offers for Madison, they're well below what Leicester have told them that they would want. And he's not really sure what they're doing. Um, Newcastle finances seem a little bit strange. Now, I have a working theory, and it is just a theory. There's no evidence to back this up other than what I'm seeing, that for all the hand-wringing and all the concern that the Saudis were going to do what Abu Dhabi did with City and just endlessly pump money in, that maybe they don't see that kind of vision. Maybe they want to build a competitive, successful team, but try and do it on a quote-unquote budget. They're not the type of budget that a normal mid-table team might have, but not the type of budget that you know City, United, Chelsea, when they had Roman. Maybe they're just not planning to plow that type of money in. I know they spent a fair bit in January, but that was more about keeping the club in the Premier League. And if we look at the signings they made, I mean, a lot of them were short-term. Gamerish is the only long-term signing they made in the summer. Botman is a long-term signing. But you're two windows in, you've made two long-term signings. So this looks like it could be quite a slow process. I like the three bits of business they did. I think they're clever. I think Nick Pope is a very good goalkeeper. I think Matt Target's obviously a, a solid left back. Unspectacular, but solid. Was there last season. Knows what Howe wants. Howe knows what he's capable of. So there's no you know nasty surprise waiting there. Botman is an enormous upgrade at centre-back. But if they play him with Dan Byrne, Guy Drinkle might need to be resuscitated. And if at some point this season, Jamal Lewis has to fill in a right back and it's a four-man, all left-footer back four, uh, well, thoughts and prayers will be with the Drinkle family. Um, let's move on. Southampton, I love the business. I really do love the business they've done. Gavin Basunu, big upgrade and goal, really talented. Paid a premium for him, but I think he'll be worth every penny. Matthias Liz, don't know a whole lot about him, but apparently he is talented and he came in a free. So backup goalkeeper, sorted. Armel Belakotchep, they had a need for a backup centre-back. They got one with massive upside who could become a starting centre-back there and fits in with the profile of players they've been buying, such as Basunu, such as Salisu and Tino Livermento. So you can see why they've gone that way. They get him, Bednarak, Salisu, and Lyanko, plus Jack Stevens is not a bad group at all. Um, they can be fairly confident that that group 
will by and large be solid. Now, it will have runs of games where it just falls apart, but that is the nature of Ralph Hasenhutl football. They brought in Romeo Lavia. Huge talent. He's only 18, so not too much should be expected of him this year, is my view. They've got Ward-Prowse. They've got Romeo. They've got Diallo. He's the fourth central midfielder. It's what they needed. It fills a big need for them. They brought in Sekou Mara, very talented attacking player, mostly comfortable playing as sort of an inside forward or a second striker, not a line leader, not someone that's going to get you 15 to 18 goals next season, but in time could work his way up to getting that type of return. The one thing they have left to do, they've got to get a striker in the door. They've got to get someone in who is going to regularly score them goals who they can rely on to pop up in big moments with a goal. It's got to be someone with a proven track record. They cannot go and buy someone like Delap from City for this role. Because as talented as that kid may be, and by all accounts, he is exceptionally talented, he has no track record. He has no track record at all. Like... He's played two senior games for Manchester United. I'm oh, sorry. He has played six senior games for Manchester City and scored one goal in an EFL Cup game. Very, very talented, but you cannot put him up front and expect that he is going to get the goals that will keep you up. He's, I've talked before about the great shame of what happened to Derby County and how they lost an academy full of immensely talented young players. And he is another one. He was at Derby from the age of six to 16 and then said he stole him. And Derby will have gotten a pittance for him. And City could have sold him for 19 million after only three years. Derby had him for 10 years, got a couple of hundred grand. Something wrong with the system in football. I like the business. They've got to get that striker in. I think Saints will be... I think they'll be wobbly this season. I don't think they'll go down. I think they'll just about stay up. I think this is a team to buy stock in for the future. When you look at the age profile of a lot of the players here. Joe Rebo is obviously the other one that they brought in, who's another good player. He can play as an attacking midfielder or a central midfielder. I like him a bit deeper, but you know he'd probably play a bit more attacking for them. Um yeah, good business overall, but you've got to get that striker in. Spurs have had a mixed bag of a window. I really like Jed Spence. Everybody knows I like Jed Spence, but I'm not sure he's Spurs ready as yet. We'll wait and see. Conte is a genius when it comes to wing backs, though, so maybe it all works out really quickly. Uh, they needed a starting left-sided centre-back. They signed Clement Langley. He's muck. Muck. So I'm not having that one. They need a starting central centre-back. They've done nothing about that. They're going to start Eric Dyer. That's a weak point in your team. 
Now, this is what I do like. You got you needed a starting centre midfielder. You went and got Yves Basuma for twenty five million. It's an absolute bargain. It's an outstanding footballer who massively improves their midfield. They needed a backup in attack. They bought Richarlison. Now, I think it's a lot of money to spend on a squad player when you've got holes in your starting eleven. It's the same thing I've criticised Arsenal for. But Richarlison fills two needs for them as the backup to Son, the backup to Kane. If that's their centre-back budget, though, that's really, really disappointing. Uh, brought in Fraser Forster as a backup goalkeeper. It's, it's not inspiring. Uh, they could do it finding their future starting goalkeeper. Haven't done that yet. And they signed Ivan Perisic. Left wing back wouldn't have been a position of need. You've got Regulon and Cessna. But Regulon's never massively impressed as a wing back. He's more comfortable as a full back. Perisic and Cessnion are more naturally wing backs. So makes sense. Uh, I assume they'll have a few to leave and probably at least one more to come in before the window closes. It needs to be a centre back. You've got you can't just have Romero and lots of dross. You've got to have Romero, someone on a similar level, and then your dross behind that. Um West Ham United. Things are starting to heat up for the Hammers. So they signed Ariola. They had him last season. They made that deal permanent. That's clever. It improves their goalkeeping situation because he is a lot better than Fabianski. They needed a starting centre-back. They got a guard. Now, he's gotten injured, so he's going to be out for a while, but he is a really good signing. So I like that bit of business for them. They needed a starting striker. They went and got Gianluca Schumacher. Absolutely Excellent signing, got good value. Now, he might take a little bit of time to settle in. And they're going to have to improve the supply line to him. But I do think he will score a lot of goals for them. They need the starting left back. They haven't done that yet. They were linked with the likes of David Rahm and a few others, but nothing's come from that of yet. Hopefully it gets addressed. Um... They needed a couple of backup central midfielders. Flynn Downs, done deal. He's in the door. According to Jacob Steinberg in The Guardian and other outlets, they have finally agreed a deal uh, of $33.5 million, including add-ons for Amadou Onana of Lille, who's really, really good. A really, really good player. Huge upside, only 20 years of age. Uh, this kid has real Vieira vibes about him. Young Vieira, the raw Vieira that came over, who wasn't the best on the ball, but flashed signs of decent passing ability and had that long, leggy stride where he could pick the ball up and carry it through gaps in the opposition setup. Um, his primary function is to win the ball back and he's an absolute monster when it comes to winning the ball back so you can see him been a really good fit with Suchek and Rice could play with either of them and give them both uh, a break when they play him and Downs so yeah that's a, an excellent signing the Costage deal has gone a little bit quiet and apparently they're now in talks to sign Max Cornet from Burnley now, they could do with a backup right winger behind Bowen, and Cornet fits that 
to an absolute T. Left-footed, pacey, goal scorer. So that would be sensible. Um, but they've got to get their left back in as well. If they get Onana, Cornet, and a left back, this will be an A-plus window for West Ham. Fill every need and get high, high ceiling players. It's taken them some time. They're struggling a little bit to get deals across the line, but I really like what they're doing. I really like what Moyes is doing. Wolverhampton Wanderers, once again, going out of their way to let the manager down. Only Nathan Collins in so far. They needed two starting centre-backs, a starting defensive midfielder, a starting right winger and a starting striker and a backup goalkeeper. And all they've done so far is signed a starting centre-back. So once again, Wolves letting the manager down. They are going to need to get some players in the door or they're going to have a problematic season. Now, I don't think they'll end up going down. I think Bruno Lage is too good. But it could be a very unnecessarily difficult season. Which there's just no need for. You are more than happy to throw money away when George Mendes was bringing you players and you had Nuno Espirito Santo turn you into the most boring team in the league. Now you've got a really good manager who can play really attacking football if you back him and you're doing nothing about it. How do you lose out on Joe Polina when you're Wolves and signing Portuguese players is what you do. How do you do? How do you miss out on him? Really, really poor, really poor summer so far. Uh, haven't been able to find a buyer for Adama, so we'll probably lose him in a free next summer. Raul Jimenez is out injured, and you've already loaned out Fabio Silva, so no good planning there. Uh, you let Trinkiao go when you could have got him back in another loan at a lower option to buy of about 10 million for a player of that talent madness absolute madness really poor summer from wolves and um i think a bottom half finish awaits and then i believe the last team i have to do i think i did bournemouth and fulham yesterday did i not so we've got nottingham forest and i love their window now i had them down needing eight players Goalkeeper, centre-back, right-wing-back, left-wing-back, central midfielder, attacking midfielder and striker. Not only did they fill all of those needs, they signed five other players. Dean Henderson in, great upgrade in goal, much better than Bryce Samba. Nikata in, big upgrade at centre-back, brings even more leadership to that defensive line with McKenna and Worrell. Really clever signing and a good price. Nico Williams in. Now, I think that's a downgrade from Jed Spence. But he's a good player and he'll do well there. Uh, Omar Richards upgrade from Max Lowe and from Jack Callback. RL Mangala upgrade from James Garner. Jesse Lingard upgrade from Zinkernagel and a Wanee upgrade from Keenan Davis. So I think they've gotten better in seven positions. And they've added depth. 
Wayne Hennessy as a backup goalkeeper. Solid operator. You don't necessarily want him playing, but he knows what it is to be a Premier League player. He won't let you down. Uh, Brandon Aguilera, they've signed him and loaned him back to wherever it was he, he was playing before. Don't know anything about him. Harry Tofolo, very good backup left wing back. He was important in that Huddersfield team that made the playoff final last year. Uh, I think that's a good signing for them. Lewis O'Brien, another key member of that Huddersfield team. He may well establish himself as a starter in this team. Uh, I think Ryan Yates and Mangala is probably the starting pair, but O'Brien has a chance. And if not, that's a really good three-man rotation. And then uh, Julian Bianconi can play right-side centre-back in the three, can play right-wing-back, could probably fill in a holding midfield if necessary. So a clever signing, good age, good price. And I like the age profile of these players. Other than Lingard and Hennessy, who's just a backup keeper, they're all in that sort of 21 to 26 age bracket. So they've bought, for the long term, they've bought players that aren't the finished article that they can develop and get a little bit more out of. And look at the players they've bought and look at the, the probable wages. So Nia Katz has probably come in on about 60 grand. Williams probably the same, Richards probably the same, Mangala probably the same, and Awani probably the same. 60 grand isn't massive wages. They'll also almost certainly have come in with relegation clauses where those wages half if they go down. Now, Lewis O'Brien, uh, Bianconi, Tofolo, and Hennessy, I'd imagine 40 grand or lower for those players. And again, they'll all have relegation clauses. The two high-earning players will be Dean Henderson and Jesse Lingard. Well, Dean Henderson's alone and Jesse Lingard's a one-year contract. So if they go down, they're not bringing any Albatross contracts down with them. And the only two players you'd look at and say they definitely won't agree to playing in the championship be Dean Henderson and Jesse Lingard. I think everybody else would be happy to stay and try and bring Forrest back up. So I think this is a really good window on all fronts for Forrest. And I'm not sure they're finished yet either. I think there, there might be one more, possibly an attacking player to come in. At the moment, you'd look at the attack and it's maybe one player short. Maybe one player short. So... You know, I know they're hoping that uh, Alex Mighton will have a step up this season and they're hoping to get a little bit more out of some of the older players like Joe Lolly. But realistically, you've got a Wani, you've got Brennan Johnson, you've got Sam Surridge, and then Jesse Lingard in that number 10 spot. They'll probably want to bring in one more who can play in the front two and maybe in that 10 spot as well. So someone like an Emmanuel Dennis could make sense. They've been linked with Max Cornet. That type of player might make sense for them. But I think Forrest have had a really clever window. Um, and that is it. That is all 23 teams, including last year's uh, relegated teams that we have gone through. Um, like I said, I think 
I think some clubs have done really well. I think some clubs have had unmitigated disasters of transfer windows. And some clubs either don't have any money, like Leicester City, or don't have any ambition. I criticised Fulham yesterday, and I want to just follow up on something. So the Bernard Leno deal has been announced. Um, well, it hasn't been announced by Fulham, but Arsenal have announced it from their side. And David Ornstein broke down the 8 million fee. So it's actually a 3 million fee. 1 million based on appearances. 2 million if Fulham stay up. And then another 2 million if they stay up in year two. So if they go down, the max they'll pay is 4 million. Now, I still think Fulham should have got this deal done weeks ago. But that is a really, really good deal. For Arsenal, they've had their pants pulled down. Arsenal also dragged this deal out, remember, turning down bids of 7 million and such. Um, and it appears like Galatasaray are pulling their pants down as well on the Lucas Torreira deal, uh, getting Torreira for about 7 million. So if the players signed under Sven Mislintat for... I think it was like a hundred million he spent. I think they're getting back about twenty six million all told, which you know isn't great. But Edu's record of sales is an abomination. The only player he's gotten decent money for is Joe Willock, and the only reason they got decent money for him is because Newcastle were desperate. So he became the technical director in 2009. Sorry, 2019. Let's have a look at his sales, just very quickly, just to amuse myself more than anything. Uh, so all of these players were gone before him. Uh, Bramall, Czech, Daly Campbell, Charlie Gilmore, Licksteiner, Plegazolu, Ramsey, Spencer Adams, Welbeck, uh, Ospina was sold before he got there. Eunice Musa, who's one of the most promising young players in Europe, he was released the day before Edu took over. Uh, so we won't criticize him for any of those moves. Um, he did fairly well with sales. Actually, I, I tell a lie. There's two other decent sales here. They sold uh, Xavier Amachi to Hamburg for about $2 million. Kristen Bialik was sold to Derby for 10 million. That's a decent sale. Now, he may not have had control of transfers at this point um, because Raul Sanelli or whatever the guy's name is, he was still there. And I think he was running the show. Uh, Kishelny for 4.6, Jenkinson for two, Carl Jenkinson for 2 million to Nottingham Forest. How times have changed for Nottingham Forest. 
Dominic Thompson to Brentford for three million. Didn't work out. Alex Iwobi to Everton for twenty eight, and Nacho Mount Monreal. We know he was in charge for certain the following summer, and the following players were sold. Emmy Martinez he got twenty million for. That's a bad sale though, because he's the best goalkeeper you had at the club, and he's better than the fella you have now. So you know, Mkhitaryan released. Uh, Matt Macy released contracts of Osul, Socrates, and Mustafi all terminated. Last summer, you got peanuts from Mark McGuinness. David Luiz's contract ran out. Luke Plange left on a free, went to Derby, now at Palace. Uh, ben Sheaf, he left for a small fee. He's a talented player. Joe Willock went for $25 million. William, contract terminated. Uh, Ilyev, contract terminated. Kalasinek, contract terminated. Callum Chambers, contract terminated. Aubameyang, contract terminated. That is an awful lot of players to have their contracts terminated over a couple of years. Uh, and if we move on then to this year, um, Daniel Ballard for pennies, Lacazette for free, Mavroponos for about four million, laughably poor deal for Arsenal, Guendozi for nine million, laughably poor deal for Arsenal, uh, Omari Hutchinson lost him for pennies to Chelsea, and Bernard Leno for what is three million, not eight million. Um, it's it's just not good. They have not done well at selling the footballers. They haven't done particularly well at buying the footballers either. But at selling the footballers, it's been particularly terrible. Uh, we'll take a break. When we come back, we'll go through the news, the gossip, and we'll be done. See in a few. Right, welcome back. So, David Ornstein reports that Manchester City are working on a deal to sign Anderlecht left-back Sergio Gomez. The 21-year-old Spain international, Spain youth international, is seen as a development talent. Move is irrespective of first-team targets. City remain in the market for senior recruit and are considering various options. Mr. Ornstein also reports... Uh, on the Bern Leno deal. So yeah, 3 million, 1 million based on Premier League appearances, 2 million if they stay in the Premier League once and 2 million stay in the Premier League twice. It's a 3 it's a three million pound deal. It's 3 million. And uh, it will probably go to 4 million because he'll play the right amount of games, but uh, staying up seems unlikely. Uh, Three-year contract, Fulham have the option for a fourth year. Brighton have offered 50 million plus for Mark Cucurella. Not done yet, as Brighton are seeking a slightly higher fee and a replacement with Levi Colwell, their top target. Cucurella personal terms are agreed. Chelsea also talks with Barcelona for Frankie De Jong and hope to strike a deal. Frankie De Jong, it's the type of flashy deal that I said before the summer that would happen. Um, 
But Frankie's a good player. Like he's better than Jorginho, for example. And if they play three four three, Frankie and Kovacic could be pretty good. Um, Brighton need to get Colwell. Get Colwell. Find your back, your replacement left back, and use whatever's left over to get that backup right back, and you'll be in good shape. Maybe, maybe you could try and talk them into giving you Ethan Ampadu as well. See if they're feeling foolish. What's the spoofer saying today? Let's have a look. Oh, missed this one. Uh, or forgot to talk about it. Chelsea have signed Carney Chukwameka from Aston Villa. 15 million plus add-ons rising to 20. They've overpaid. Now, he's a super talent, but he's got one year left in his contract and wasn't going to sign a new deal with Villa. But he is a massive talent. It's a good get for Chelsea. I feel like it's a horrible move for him because this club hasn't shown any real interest in promoting youth. Like, Levi Colwell wants to leave because there's no pathway into the first team for him. Broya wants to leave because there's no pathway into the first team for him. Connor Gallagher is unsure of his future because there's no pathway. The Athletic said that Tuchel plans to have him as part of the first team squad, but what does that mean for Connor Gallagher then? Because you've got Kovacic, you've got Kante, you've got Jorginho, you've got Ruben Loftus Cheek, you're looking to bring in Frankie De Jong, you've got Connor Gallagher there. Mason Mount could play in midfield. Uh, it's an awful lot of players if you're going to play 3-4-3. An awful lot of players. So I don't know where Carney gets minutes and I'm not sure what happens with Conor Gallagher. Wouldn't surprise me at all if Carney Chukwemeka, who's signing a six-year contract, spent, I don't know, two and a half years of that on loan. I think he'd have been better off waiting to Dortmund sign a pre-contract in January. But... The move is the move. It's a good get for Chelsea because of the talent that you're getting. You're overpaying for it, though. But such is the way things go. Um, what else is there? Mentioned the United players. Premier League players to limit taking a knee. Premier League players will stop taking the pre-match anti-racism gesture of taking the knee before every game. Top flight clubs started taking a knee to support the Black Lives Matter movement, which rose to prominence following the death of George Floyd in the United States in May of 2020. Premier League captains took the decision after consulting with players. The gesture will be seen before certain rounds of games, including Boxing Day fixtures and Cup finals. Players and staff will also take the knee before the first and last games of the upcoming campaign, as well as dedicated no room for racism match rounds in October and March. The gesture took place before the Community Shield between Liverpool and Manchester City at the weekend. Uh, yeah, I think it's I think it's time. I think it was starting to lose its meaning. And obviously players like Wilf Zaha had stopped doing it. I think very much a case where it's more impactful the less it's done. Now it's just sort of, oh, they're doing that again. 
if it's done with purpose before certain big events, then I think it will matter more. Uh, what else do we have for today? Uh, Everton in advance talks to re-sign Adrissigan again. I mean, he is washed. I, I'm not sure what the purpose of that deal would be for Everton, other than to get, you know, an old player back and be happy that you signed someone from PSG. Paris Saint-Germain are closing on Renato Sanchez deal as negotiations with Lille are set to be completed. Makes sense. They need power and dynamism in the midfield. He'll offer that in bunches. Um, Cucurella, yada, yada, 50 million. Levi Colwell. Alex Tellez looks like he is going to Sevilla. It's a loan deal by all accounts, so not even a sale. Uh, Atalanta signing Adamola Luckman. He's having himself a, a good old globe-trotting career, isn't he? I like Adamol. I think he's a good player. Um, I'd like to see him settle somewhere, though. Like, he's at Charlton for two years. He goes to Everton. He's there 18 months. He gets loaned out for half a season. Goes back to Everton for a season. Then goes to Leipzig for a season. Then he's loaned to Fulham for a season. Then he's loaned to Leicester for a season. You, you'd really like to see him settle somewhere and get... Just get his feet under him. Get his confidence up and show what he can do because he is talented. Nice have completed the signings of Mattia Vitti from Empoli, and Kasper Schmeichel from Leicester. We'll wait and see what happens with Leicester. I, I have a feeling it's going to be a rough year. Uh, Ginny Wijnaldum to Roma looks a done deal on a loan with an option to buy. Ricky Puig will join LA Galaxy. This is a bizarre deal. I can't be the only one that finds this really, really strange. He's 22. He's very, very talented. And yet, he's going to play for LA Galaxy. Now, there are some reports, some reports that Ricky Puig enjoys the nightlife a little bit too much and that his focus is often split between his social life and his footballing life. So, I'm not sure. I'm not sure, but going to LA, well, I mean, at least he's going somewhere nice and quiet, isn't he? What else do we have? What else do we have? Rangers suffer Champions League blow in Belgium. Rangers lost 2-0 to Union St. Gilles. They're the club owned by Tony Bloom, who owns Brighton. Uh, a 2-0 defeat. That's despite them losing their top striker in Dennis Undav, who, who joined Brighton this summer. Uh, not great for Rangers. Not great at all. Uh, they'll have to overcome that. And if they do, they'll face PSG, uh, sorry, PSV Eindhoven or Monaco next. Uh, Rangers are desperate to get into the Champions League final. Uh, Champions League final. The Champions League group stage. Because their finances are starting to look 
a little bit questionable again, having backed Steven Gerrard to the hilt for three years. Let's do the gossip. Let's do the gossip and be done. Phil Foden has agreed to a new long-term contract worth around £225,000 a week at Manchester City. And I wonder how much the job as a CEO of some company in Abu Dhabi will pay him on an annual basis. Uh, Manchester United and Chelsea are monitoring Jamie Vardy, who has a year left in his current deal. <clears throat> um, I did say when Casper, when the Casper rumour started, I wonder how long it'll be before the Vardy rumour started. Is this a case where Rodgers is trying to clear house of the older, more experienced players? The dissenting voices? Or is this Leicester trying to cut the highest wage earners off their books? If so, is Johnny Evans next? Uh, Tottenham are likely to turn to Adama Traore if they're unable to reach an agreement for Nicolo Zaniolo. See, this is nonsense. This is nonsense. You don't go for a Zaniolo, if they even are, and then pivot to an Adama because they're totally different players who do totally different things. One is also left-footed and one is right-footed. If you want Zaniolo, you want that profile of player. So this is 90minute.com, which means trash. Uh, Brentford's 16.7 million bid from Mikel Damsgaard has been accepted by Sampdoria. I think that's a really good signing. Really good. And I think he'll do really well in the Premier League. A club from Saudi Arabia's Pro League has indicated its offer for a move to Cristiano Ronaldo will remain on the table after the World Cup if his future remains unresolved. That's probably where he's going to end up. Uh, Manchester United have opened talks. Sorry, I've, this is twice I've done this. Manchester City have opened talks with Anderlecht over uh, Sergio Gomez. Uh, Brighton are also considering RB Leipzig's Spanish fullback Angelino as a replacement for Cucurella, who has attracted interest from Chelsea. Uh, looks like he will go to Chelsea. Angelino would make sense. It certainly would make sense. If they got Cucurella, him, and still had enough left over. Sorry, if they got Colwell, him. I'm having a tough day. If they get Colwell, him, and had enough left over to get a decent backup right back, they'd be in better shape. Uh, Sergio Aguero has questioned Manchester City's decision to sell Raheem Sterling. I have as well. I would, wouldn't really understand it now, to be honest. Um, you're strengthening, strengthening a rival. Now I know that Chelsea probably aren't title contenders this season, but still, uh, Raheem Sterling's really, really good and you're worse for not having him. Leicester have rejected a second offer for James Madison. Newcastle are also targeting Harvey Barnes. Leicester defender Wesley Fafana has hinted at his exit by removing Leicester City from his social media profiles. Um, did he, though? Like, does anyone have screenshots that show him with Leicester City in his social media profiles? I'd be curious. Fulham have submitted an offer for Eric Bailly among the 46 other players they've currently got bids in for. Uh Chelsea are interested in signing Kyle Walker-Peters. I, I just don't know why you'd spend £35 million on a backup wing-back. I get that Reese James has injury issues, and Walker-Peters is a good player, but still, cop yourselves on. 
If they spend 50 million on Cucurella and 35 million on Walker Peters, 85 million. Now, Cucurella, I would say, is a starter, but that makes Chilwell depth. So you've got 85 million because he costs 50 as well. 85 million in fullback depth, all while having one decent centre back. Everton are not interested in signing Ross Barkley or Michi Bakshiwai. Well, that's strange, considering they were in talks with them. Uh, this is from Mark Douglas, the Northern football correspondent at inews.co.uk. Um, I, I, I don't want to doubt the man, but the reports that um, they did have interest came from more reputable uh, sources. Chelsea's French under 21 defender Malang Sar. Hang on a second. Hang on a second. Malang Sar is uh, almost 24 years of age. He's not an under 21 defender at this point. Uh, would prefer to move to Monaco over Fulham, and understandably so. West Ham are again looking at Max Cornet if they. As they struggle to bring in Philippe Kostic. Now, even getting Cornet, they've still got to find an outlet <clears throat> who can provide good service for their new number nine. Pablo Mari is close to a move to Italian side Monza. Italian giants Juventus have also made a move for Kostic, who can play as a left wing back or left winger. Sheffield United have made, I'm sorry, have moved ahead of Brighton, Southampton, and Leicester to sign Man City and England. Under-21 international James McAtee. So it looks like he will end up at Sheffield United. And that's a really good get for the Blades. Because he is a good player. He's very, very talented. By all accounts, City were keen to keep him around this season. But he sort of pushed for this. But he is one that's seen as capable of making the grade at City as a first-teamer, which not many do. Now, there's a really exciting midfield that could take place there this year because Ishmael Akulabali is finally with Sheffield United this season, having spent the last two on loan at Bearshot in Belgium. He is a massive talent. If they decide to keep him this year, him, McAtee, plus Sander Berger, that's that's the best midfield in the championship. You get your wing-backs in order. Jaden Bogle, once he comes back from injury. Um, obviously, you've got Ender Stevens as well as your other wing-backs. So that's pretty strong. Centre-backs, Ahmed Hozic. Jack O'Connell, if he ever gets fit again. Uh, John Egan's obviously a good player. You've still got Chris Basham, though. I personally wouldn't be playing him too often. Um, there's the makings of something good here. There really is. Got Ryan Brewster to come back. If he can just find form, if he can find fitness and form, Ryan Brewster can be a really positive player for Sheffield United. He's still only 22. I know he's had a rough time there, but he's a, he is a talented player. Anyway, that is that. That is me for today. 
Uh, the only other thing to look at, actually, is the Dean Henderson situation. Henderson said that United's treatment of him was criminal. The England, the England International joined Nottingham Forest in season-long loan, having failed to usurp David De Gea at Old Trafford. He said he was told he would be the number one last term, but missed the Euros through injury, contracted COVID, and was then left sitting on his backside. He said he was fuming over his lack of game time. To be honest, it was probably the toughest 12 months of my career. It was frustrating because I turned down so many good loans last summer for that reason, and they would not let me go. The conversation I had coming out of the Euro squad was, you're coming back here to be number one. I got COVID, came back, so I should have still been number one, but then nobody followed through what they told me. To sit there for 12 months, it's criminal really at my age. I was fuming. I told the hierarchy I need to be playing football and to let me go, and I was almost gone before Eric Ten Hag came through the door. I've not spoken to him since. I worked hard on and off the pitch to keep improving day in and day out, and I'm looking forward to the season with Nottingham Forest. I don't think he will ever play for Manchester United again. I think that relationship is done and dusted. And this podcast is done and dusted. I will see you tomorrow. Take care of yourselves. Bye-bye. Podcast Network.